On this episode, we discuss Saving Christmas. Wait, we discuss how we're going to save Christmas, or is there a movie called Saving Christmas? It's a movie directed by Mel Gibson. No. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey Dan, it's me, Stuart Wellington. <laughs> hey guys, Elliot Kalen here, and ready for more floptastic fun. And we are the Flop House. <laughs> ho ho ho! It's December. <laughs> Merry <laughs> December. <laughs> yeah, you better watch out. You better December. You better not pout. I'll tell you, December. It's more. It's slightly colder than November. But not as cold as January you'll get. February's cold too. March sometimes too. By the time you get to April, it's warming up. No, we're not doing Shortest day of the year (laughs) is in December. Merry December to all the fans. December, December, December. I made it out of days. (laughs) And when December's (laughs) over, it'll be January. Oh, December, December, December. The month of the end of the year. December, December, December. Spiders are what I fear. Come on, guys. Not really true. I'm not afraid of spiders. But it fits. Stuart has a cold. He's he's, so... Yeah, a cold heart. He's a regular Scrooge. Mm-hmm. He's going to be visited by three spirits. A bourbon. <laughs> Both went for the same joke. <laughs> we do we have to do a podcast? <laughs> uh, Stuart is having the double whammy of feeling a little sick and also having just watched the movie Saving Christmas, starring Kurt Cameron, which is almost not a movie. Mm-hmm. It is pushing the boundaries of what can be a film as much as. Any art film I've ever seen. Yeah, it's very experimental in that regard. Like, if you were to ask me, what's more of a movie, this or Wax or the Discovery of Television Among the Bees? I'd be like, well, that has a plot. (laughs) It's a plot about a man with a six-sided TV in his head that bees put there, and he merges by bomb into two Iraqi soldiers during the Gulf War, but that's more of a movie than this. This is definitely the My Dinner dinner with Andre of low-budget Christian films. It's basically just two guys talking for most of the time of the... In the, a car. Yeah. Except for at the, <laughs> whenever they get out of the car, or they don't get out of the car, but whenever you the movie... You never leave the car. <laughs> no. Whenever the movie oh, gets you, out of the car. Even when you get out of the car, you're still in the car. The one time the movie gets out of the car, it is for you're the most... You're in a bigger car, and you're like, what? <laughs> <of> this car, <laughs> in this big car. Car uh, to hypercar. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the sequel to The Car? Okay, you guys tricked me with stupid jokes. I still don't want to do this today. (laughs) Okay, well, what if we told you that you got That you could be put in this Christianity today for the low, low price of $99.99. The low, low price of your soul. You could have eternal life. Now, let's let that sink in for a moment. Because 
the minute you're born, you start to die. That's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. how it works. Life is just a brief <laughs> flame between the cradle and the grave. I tell you, it's a one-way trip and there's no return pass. Well, let me tell you, buddy, there is a way you can live forever. And all you have to do is <coughs> celebrate Christmas the exact fucking way Kirk Cameron tells you to. Because if you don't want a tree, Santa Claus, gifts, or a nativity scene in a snow globe, yeah, then you're going to get... I assume burned at the stake. Santa Claus is coming to town to beat the shit out of you. I mean, this movie does include a scene where St. Nicholas, the person that Santa Claus is supposedly based on, does beat up a guy. (laughs) So, guys, what do we do on this podcast? (laughs) Oh, sorry. We should give our mission statement. This is a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And because it's the holiday season, we... Uh, Did Kirk Cameron teach you nothing? It's the Christmas season. (laughs) Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. We picked Saving Christmas, or I did. 2014's hit film. (laughs) To say I knew what we'd be watching before it started playing would be a lie. (laughs) Actually, no. The first first reason I knew we were watching Saving Christmas was because the screen came up on Dan's TV, and we saw that it was a... A full and plump 79 minutes long <laughs> And we We're overjoyed It's a Christmas miracle Less than an hour and a half Little did we know that Fully at least a third so Of that 79 bounty. minutes So much What have we done To deserve this treasure Oh nothing But that's God's grace That's just the mystery of it mm-hmm. Uh Fully a third or more of the movie is filler. There are yeah. two or three. It's all filler, no killer. <laughs> this movie. There are two or three introductory prologues. There, There's well, at least and two epilogues. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's not credit sequences. There's, there's stuff that happens, and then there's production company logo, and then there's stuff that happens, and then another production company logo. You get and to then see stuff like happens. four different versions of the, what is this, like Magic Christian Church, what, well, Lutheran University, which one? It's it's surely the only film that boasts both Samuel Goldwyn Productions and Liberty University as, I guess, involved in the production and distribution in some way, you know? Yeah. So the movie begins— I would say that Samuel Goldwyn, uh, a Jewish man who was dedicated to a certain sort of middle-to-highbrow, kind of your classic quality film, say what you will about how stodgy that might be, but he produced a number of movies that are genuinely wonderful— I don't know that he would have been so into distributing a $500,000 budget infomercial for rationalizing the non-religious elements of Christmas as actually being far more religious than every, everything else. That if you, this is the mission statement of this movie is, if you have an issue with, let's say, you don't have an issue with Christianity— you're already Christian. The movie takes it for granted. If you're watching this movie, you're Christian. I which, mean, to be fair, is probably yeah, the it's case. It's either a Christian person or assholes who do all these stupid podcasts <laughs> you know, that nobody I'm, listens to. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm the only non-Christian person to ever see this entire movie <laughs> ever. So I don't know. They probably there's probably out there someone has uh, tied down a Jewish <laughs> person and made them watch this in a weird effort to convert them. I guess maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we have very weird effort. But uh, yeah, well, a, like, do you imagine that? Uh, you're a high school kid. You're invited to a party mm-hmm. from the. I well, I've know, never been in that situation. But from yeah. like some cool kids, and you're like, oh, these cool white kids are really nice. They invited me to this special party. <laughs> wow, why are they white? <laughs> well, because a smash cut. The party ends up. You're in the basement. Everybody's looking at you weird. They start a movie. And you're like, oh, I hope it's a spooky, scary movie. And in a way, it mm-hmm. is spooky, scary because <laughs> the movie they're showing you is. Uh, surviving, saving, saving Christ- Christmas, not surviving. Surviving Christmas, Christmas is a different. Film. I mean, Christmas with the cranks. <laughs> 
So you get up to leave. You get up to leave. uh, You don't want to watch this movie. And you find the basement door is locked. Mm -hmm. And there's like 16 hungry kids down there. (laughs) Hungry (laughs) for your flesh. Yeah, or pizza rolls. Who knows? (laughs) Kids love both of them. So there's a little slot at the bottom of the door. That's where mom can slip the tray with pizza rolls on it. Or perhaps a Go-Gurt. Or, uh, I don't know if the slot's wide enough for the uh, Sam's Club size Go-Gurt containers. Why are they the Sam's Club size? She just gives you the individual. Because of the value, dude. Yeah, come on. How much do you think she's made of money? Then you take the individual sleeves of Go-Gurt out of that, and you slide it under the door. No, we get in trough size because we're a hungry family of six kids. <laughs> you're gonna be, you're gotta be transferring it to a smaller package at some point, or else you lose the go aspect of Gogurt, which is that it's mobile and you can eat it on the go. I don't know. I think if you put the trough on a skateboard and then the six kids kind of like shimmy along the side <laughs> next to it, I you're not getting your steps on your your Fitbit counter. <laughs> Certainly not. But uh, look, I mean, the point. You better, you better either be on the go drinking it from a sleeve or sitting down playing the ancient game of Go, mm-hmm. sure. or it is not Gogurt. Yeah. But whether you have Gogurt or yogurt, the important thing is the Gurt. <laughs> we can all agree <laughs> yeah, on that. Sure, Gurt is where it's at. Gertie <laughs> uh, the dinosaur. How in a world where they were trying to make yogurt sound cooler, they changed the yo part of the word. <laughs> uh, the fact that it already has a cool word in it. <laughs> yeah. And not Gurt, which sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's if you're gonna try and connect with hip teens. Yeah. I mean, yo is something they say all the time. Yo, Willie, you know, because they're all elf. <laughs> yo, Gabba, Gabba. Yo, Gabba, Gabba. Yo, yo. The I'm coolest the, of the toys. There Are there Justine Bateman's uh, boyfriend from Family Ties <laughs> who always said yo? Nick. Did he? Nick, I, I believe, I is his name. that character. Did he die in a car accident? I You're thinking know. of James Dean. Okay. <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> yeah, or Princess Di, maybe? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Who's known for dying. Oh, dude. <laughs> what? Come on. Come on. She was the People's we Princess. should have known, is She all was I'm the saying. People's Republic of Princess. <laughs> it's right there in the name the whole time. So now Ugh. that we've offended everybody, <laughs> let's talk about the movie that offended us. Saving Christmas. Segway of the Year Award. So the movie For begins, your consideration. <laughs> the movie begins in Did it? a nativity scene. <laughs> yes. Does the nativity we? of Kirk Cameron's house. <laughs> so the movie starts with Kirk Cameron literally sitting in front of a fireplace place establishing the mission statement for this movie which yeah, is like, that, a, like a christmas special type opening like if yeah. you were doing interstitials for i don't know you're showing ernest saves christmas or something <laughs> yeah and jim varney rest in peace is gonna sit in this chair and be like, hey, i mean Bert, he's that not was a, gonna that you're was a crazy scrape corpse that's <laughs> <laughs> crazy <laughs> No, but I mean, yeah, like, it's not died. like a Wild West, uh, like Wild Bill Hickok dead body show or something. <laughs> you know, where you're, yeah, like, you're not putting it on display. You yeah, you're happened, not putting a corpse on display. That didn't happen to Wild Bill Hickok. You're thinking of Jonah Hex that happened to. Wait, Jonah Hex died? Oh, boy. <laughs> Actually, there's a really great Jonah Hex story about... His 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 stuffed body is now part of like a sideshow, uh-huh. but somehow his guns are still loaded. So even though he's a stuffed corpse, he still kills somebody. Yeah. <coughs> anyway, it's a fun story. Uh, yeah, but but so Chris Chris Cameron, so Chris, Kirk Cameron is sitting Christian there. Christian Cameron, Christian Cam- the very Christian Cameron. He's sitting in a chair, sipping a mug of cocoa. Yeah, and, very oh, slowly. <laughs> very, and he very slowly explains the purpose of the movie, which is that there's two types of people out there. People who are telling you, hey. You can celebrate Christmas, but be a little quieter. It doesn't belong in the public square. And people telling you, hey, all this stuff about Christmas, the tree, Santa Claus, the elves, it's pagan. It's not even in the Bible. And he's saying, 
don't listen to those fuckers because it's all Christian and the world should be Christian. Cue the movie, <laughs> and then you like, cut like, to the next group of production logos. But I love, I love how it is. Like, actually, how the world is. Like, Christian Christianity is like walking around like this thing. It's mine now. That thing, it's me. Beard, I mean, that is the history season. of Western civilization. <laughs> he does say. He says, "I love." The, the fire, because he's in front of a fireplace. And it's a great time to grow out your beard. The fire, it destroys everything. It cares not. <laughs> it's a cleansing fire. <laughs> it's, it purifies the soul. The tool of Vulcan. <laughs> it's destroyer of forests, heater of food, man's oldest enemy. <laughs> this building is on fire. fire. Gremlins 2, the new batch. Great stuff. Uh, so he's basically, but he lays claim. Oh, man, what a much better movie. <laughs> And a much better Christmas movie, right? Uh, I mean, well, that was not Christmas. That's that was, happens on President's Day, right? <laughs> well, they talk about President's Day because uh, she, it's not on President's Day, but she, someone mentions someone mentions it. Someone mentions Lincoln's Lincoln, birthday. yeah, Lincoln's birthday, and it kind of, in a way, it takes place on New Year's Eve. <laughs> in um, a way, okay, I retract that it's a Christmas movie. The first Gremlins <laughs> Christmas movie. I let's say it takes place on it. Maybe it's an Arbor Day film. Well, to the Gremlins before. Or they all die. Spoiler alert. They kind of think it's it's New Year's Eve, and they're singing New York, New York. They're just partying. Their I mean, New York, New York is not a New Year's Eve song. Kind of, it is. It's what a, else do you hear it? Uh, anytime you're in the airport at New York, when you're leaving a Yankees game, oh, they okay. always play it. Yep. Well, it, that doesn't happen ever. When you're for me. watching the film New York, New York, you mm-hmm. hear Liza Minnelli sing it. Okay. When you're having sex with Frank Sinatra, he just sings it. That's what happens. Because yeah, he because that's the part about top of the heap. Yeah, he says he sings that while he's on top of you, and then he goes, "Get it, ring a ding ding." <laughs> You're the heap, baby. I'm calling you a heap. I'm, I'm done. Your ding ding. Get out of here. Money's on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Old blue eyes is not back. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Gino, take care of her. Because there's been a guy. Gino was there the whole time. Sitting in the corner. You got it, Frank. Just waiting for him to finish so he can hustle you out. Yep. And he looks at the camera and he goes, it's a Sammy, you, Sammy, you want to turn? No. All right, get her out of here. Oh, it's terrible. No. It's, okay. I mean, he was a terrible man. Frank's not true. Yes. <laughs> Pipe voice like an angel, though. Yeah. Come on. Uh, but anyway, Kirk Cameron is tell- <laughs> he lays claim to things like fireplaces and beards as if those are part of Christmas. Uh, and but he says like, don't listen to those people. Everything about Christmas is religious. Here's how you'll find out. Then cut to the title credits. It's an animated, you know, Birth of Jesus with in, ska in the Christmas music kind playing. Of ska- the movie yeah. thinks- it's like the 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 cherry protecting daddies are playing this song. <laughs> cherry get it, guys? Daddies. I get yeah. it. I get it. Dan doesn't seem to enjoy my joke. (laughs) It took me a moment. Because there was a band in the 90s. Now, there was a band who played on, I believe, the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, whose name was the Cherry Popping Daddies. Yeah, I got the swing revival. A name that implies, at the very least, that a man with children of his own is going about deflowering someone else's children. Or at worst, his children. Uh, What was it then? Neo Swing? Swing Revival. Oh, you're right. It was part of the Swing Revival. I mean, if you're making a Save Ferris joke, maybe then I would have been on board. What's another well what about or like, like real uh, big fish yeah yeah, yeah. it's real big fisher of men there you go perfect there you go Boom. done we did it <laughs> case closed take him away boys i don't know no cage will keep me what about nicholas cage yeah i'll keep him in my house yeah in my castle that i sold i'll put him in my pyramid tomb <laughs> 
<laughs> I forgot he had one of those. Yeah, so I'll be like the risen Osiris. <laughs> my organs will be kept in canoptic jars. <laughs> Gotta keep my ka. Can't spell cage without ka. It's not spelled that way, but you get the idea. Nicholas... Nicodemus. Sure. That's a that's an Egyptian thing, There's right? There's something there. Keep going. Nicholas Coptic. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Kirk Cameron has established a mission statement. So, cut to. We are at the swinginest Christmas party at someone's McMansion mm-hmm. that there is. And Kirk Cameron, it's his brother's, it's his sister's house. And she's married to a guy named Christian, despite the fact that he looks, and he's coded as super Jewish. Mm-hmm. Glasses. Beard goatee. Asks a lot of questions. Asks a lot of questions. Talks like, I, 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 is this is this Christmas? I, it's, is this Christmas? Mm, 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 uh, celebrate Christmas like this, like that, like this. Uh, Gentle like this. <laughs> Turn into Jackie Mason. Jackie Mason. Yeah. Jackie Freemason. The conspiracy comedian. And Kirk Cameron's sister, I believe, is played by his real-life sister. Or possibly a woman who just had her last name changed to Cameron. Maybe. And the guy who plays his brother-in-law, Christian, is also the screenwriter and the director of the film. Yeah. Oh, that's why he takes direction so well. (laughs) I think that's why he's allowed to ramble on (laughs) for minute after minute and take after take. Improvise as if he's doing, uh, like, a viola swollen exercise every time he's on... on Swollen viola? (laughs) Yeah, swollen viola. Viola Spolin, one I, of the. I don't know what that is. She's one of the uh, the <coughs> seminal figures in improvisation. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What did she do? Uh, she helped invent improv as a form. Because uh, you know who I thought invented improv? Jesus. Oh, okay. when he improvised the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> oh wow! What okay. he literally he goes. I need, I need a word to bless. Mm-hmm. I need a suggestion of something to bless. The meek. <laughs> oh, thank you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, I need another thing to bless. Mm-hmm. Peacemakers. <laughs> and that's all the Sermon Amount that yeah, I some, know. Some short scenes there. <laughs> <laughs> every time he's done. Short form Christianity. Very short, every time Judas runs across the stage mm-hmm. to show that the scene is over. Uh, anyway, Christian is appalled that his family is throwing this Christmas party that's so materialistic. It's not really about what's in the Bible or about the important thing, which is Jesus, and everything's this, distracting from Jesus. This is a very well-attended, <coughs> multicultural oh, yeah. uh, Christmas party filled with giant uh, plastic candy canes <laughs> and stars. Giant wrapped gifts. Big uh, big old nutcracker in the corner. A Hell man yeah, dressed dude. as Santa Claus who is barely trying to keep his beard on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a rip snorter of a, a holiday and party. Kirk Cameron and there's like five speaking parts in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Three of the characters barely enter into it, and the other two are Kirk Cameron and Christian. And so Christian storms out to his car. He can't deal with this, and Kirk Cameron decides he's going to go drop a little gospel knowledge on him, so that he understands that this is actually the right way to celebrate Christmas. And he does this with three, eventually four monologues yeah. about. How each of these elements that seem like they're not part of celebrating the divinity of Jesus actually are. And if you don't do them, you're kind of a heretic who needs to die. And they are, like, they're hilariously, like, reaching. They might as well be, like, Riddler jokes in the (laughs) Batman series, the way that they (laughs) make a connection 
between two unconnected things. Well, this conversation, and I use that term loosely, begins with Christian sitting in his SUV listening to, I don't know, one of many different types of songs that are played. They list, they listen to a country song, some kind of funk song, a hip-hop song, just in the background. But here, here's the thing I just, I just didn't realize till now. You know why Kirk Cameron's so mad? Why you know that? what Christian's refusing to do at his own party? Mingle. Oh. Christian Mingle. That's why, because that's another movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but you were saying. So he the their conversation begins with Christian basically laying out all the reasons why he doesn't agree with like the materialism of Christmas and the various traditions that are associated with it. And Kirk Cameron never really answers that. Like he never he starts to he never really actually talks like it. it it begins. It's exclusively told through stories rather than like, and him revealing information as opposed to like actually trying to get to the bottom of what is his brother-in-law's problem. It's are. not a real dialogue. It is yeah. It's a series of It's a series of speeches explicating each of these things, but they're all like, imagine a stone. Yeah, a stone in a cave. So the three things <laughs> that while they're in the car, at least that. Uh, Christian is upset about are number one for Huey, some reason the Dewey Louie for some reason the nativity snow globe which is of course the major objection that anyone has a problem with the corruption of Christmas has is <laughs> all these nativity mm-hmm. snow globes everywhere number two the Christmas tree and lastly what was the third one Santa, Santa Claus Santa Claus how did I forget Santa Claus the biggest one of them all because yeah. he's a fat man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. covered uh, he, in red he thinks. Uh, as to quote Chico Marx, there ain't no sanity clause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, wow, you really beautiful. worked that in easily. <laughs> <laughs> Segway of the year award <laughs> for your consideration. Um, so, so his his so let, let's try to very quickly do it. the explanation for why the nativity snow globe is important is because you have to remember that Jesus was born to die, but that he the Herod soldiers wanted to kill him when he was a baby, but nah. God was going to kill Jesus when God was good and ready. So he did. It doesn't really explain, it doesn't really get at why. I mean, he said, the Christian says, Jesus wasn't born in December, so why do do this now? And Kirk Cameron kind of dances around that. It's weird yeah. that the movie, they could have just edited out the things that the stories don't really address, but instead they leave them in anyway. And I, and I don't want to, there's no way to put too fine a point on it. Like Christian. Not to put too fine a point on it. Maybe there's a bee in your bonnet. <laughs> yeah, make a little birdhouse in your soul. Mm-hmm. While you're at it. Leave the nightlight on. Inside. The birdhouse in my soul. But here's the thing. Like, Christian is, as his name would suggest, a Christian. Like, it's not like this oh, movie. Oh, I get I, it. Oh, I get oh. it. Oh. <laughs> this movie is not about the spiritual awakening of a non-believer. It's about one type of believer versus another type of believer. And Christian's type of believer is like... Look, I mean, like, there's nothing in the Bible that says this happened at Christmas. Like, it didn't happen at Christmas. Like, it, it didn't happen in the winter. Didn't happen in December. Yeah. Uh, uh, even if it did, December in, uh, where was where was Jesus born? Was it Nazareth, or did he grow up in Nazareth? Uh, Bethlehem. Bethlehem, that's, that's right. Uh, like, that now, now You're Messing With a Son of a Bitch song? <laughs> that's by Nazareth? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, like, even December in Bethlehem, it 
most likely would not have snowed. They would not have pine trees around everywhere. Yeah. Like the this the pine tree is a sim, a pagan symbol that was borrowed from the winter solstice rather he, than a. He mentions ham, and I just realized now, like, yeah, you better believe Jesus' family was not eating ham at that time because it's not kosher. Yeah, like they never would have. So ever. Let's say that Christian is like the intellectual. Christian. He's he's the Christian who is looking, yeah, who's trying to put some kind of, for the lack of a better word, let's call it scientific or historical basis to mm-hmm. his faith. Whereas Kirk Cameron, I guess, is supposedly presenting kind of the more mystical or metaphysical, symbolical, symbol like yeah. symbology of faith. But well, really, he's kind of just like a go along, get along Christian. Well, but he's well, that's, a, that's his mentality. But he uses the weapons of the enemy. By trying to use symbology and like historical record to back him up, I guess so. It's yeah. It's like he is. He uses a lot of extreme, <laughs> like very, very tortured explanations to explain why. Oh no, the proper way to celebrate Christmas and therefore to be a Christian is to do it the way that middle to upper class middle white Americans do it in the late 20th, early 21st century. That's what God meant all this time. The importance of the mistletoe hanging above a couple (laughs) that's about to smooch is that it reflects the base desires of two animal... I don't don't know enough about Christianity, guys. Help me out. (laughs) Like, it's... uh, There's a part at the end where... And he talks about the tree. He goes, in Genesis, God creates a lot of trees, and then there's this other tree, and here's another tree. Boom, trees. With Santa Claus... Saint Saint Nicholas went to the Council of Nicaea, and he was the one who stood up for Christ's divinity. So Santa Claus isn't distracting from Jesus. He's protecting Jesus. And it's like each of these things, it feels like you're watching a Glenn Beck show where you're like, you've taken like three actual historic facts, and you've spun a web between them that like doesn't really hold up and doesn't answer the criticism. And all you've all you're really doing – there's a scene there, – here's the shot that made this movie for me was when Christian realizes his his error of his ways and goes back in to apologize to his wife for being a jerk and walks past two enormous fr- refrigerators in their huge kitchen yeah. next to – like they have an entire – like a like a refrigerator-sized wine holder. Yeah, that's, that's wine refri- fridge. Wine fridge, and it's like, oh, that's what this movie is all about. This movie is all about how like – it's totally okay to be a Christian who spends all of his money on stuff for himself and is working towards having a lifestyle that demands three enormous refrigerators next to each other. Yeah. Because Jesus wants you to have all this stuff, dude, and then it becomes explicit when at the end they're, they're eating dinner and there's a voiceover from Kirk Cameron who's – as if – because it's like they forgot to address this thing, so they threw it in. Hey, people say the materialism gets to you. Well, the story of Christ is all out the story of someone – overcoming the material world and the material flesh. No, it was like, no, it's, a, so, it's about a div- divine person made material. And so yeah, giving yeah. material things is okay. It's a celebration it's of like, material things. And you're seeing fucking like... fucking God. This is like the opposite of the, 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 and the this is Christian li- this is dogma. Literally like, over like catalog shots of like very nice napkins and silver napkin rings on like a, on a beautifully laid table. Like... The whole thing. You feel but, like if someone brought up the parable of the camel and going through the eye of the needle and a rich man entering the kingdom of heaven, they'd be like, uh, look over there. <laughs> no, <laughs> they'd, they'd run off. They'd come up with some way to explain how actually the needle represents posterity. And what they're saying is God is so generous that 
He'd make a needle big enough for a camel to get through. <laughs> That's why he wants you to have this stuff. He's so generous. But they, and when he talks about, uh, he also talks about can't say about Saint Nick beating the shit out of somebody, which is like as if like this guy was a hero. He beat the crap out of this guy, yeah. which seems also like kind of a non Jesus way to act. But 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 actually, the the best rationalization is the guy Christian to show he's now humble. Sl- throws open the doors of his house and then slides in on his belly along the marble, really floor. polished marble floor, yeah. so that he is at eye level with the presence. And it goes, look up at those presents, those boxes wrapped under the tree. Don't they look kind of like a skyline for the perfect city of heaven that God li- dwells in? And look at you know, with the tree above it, and that tree symbolizes Jesus, and that's the center. Blah blah blah. But it was like. Wait, Wait, hold yeah. on hold a on. second. We're supposed to give presents to each other because if you look at them from the floor, <laughs> they look like a city? It's, I'm not sure that tracks. And like, I am... The I am what I like. I remember we did Fireproof, which was another Kurt Cameron Christian movie. Yeah. And I wanted to go out of my way to say, like, look, I have no problem with people's faith. I respect people having that faith, and I admire it about people. And I've got my own faith that I... Don't need to get into. It's called mm-hmm. cromism. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. No, no. But like, as a as you a, believe in the strength of one's arm. <laughs> it's the only faith I have. Uh, the only prayers that have been answered are the ones answered by these fists. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, the, it's really that religious faith is something that I have a lot of respect for, and that I think is very beautiful. But so it, I like don't want to get. I don't want to be at the point where I'm like, look at these dumb religious people. But like, this movie's really dumb. <laughs> And well, it no, takes, you're not. It takes the things that. about like the things that are valuable to the human spirit I mean, I'm about religion. This movie's really dumb. No, no but, but you're not saying that about religion. No, but the like that the, it takes the things that are that are most necessary and valuable about spiritual life, and it's like, look, dude, you can believe in Jesus all you want, but if you're not buying a shit ton of presents and dressing up as Santa Claus and putting a tree up, you might as well be a tourist. You know, like it's. I yeah, like I mean, it. like, well, I'm a... Even the fact that I pronounce terrorist that way, as if making fun of somebody from a different region I don't yeah. like. That wasn't fair of me. That wasn't fair to you, Dan. Well, I grew up... To make up... fun of the way you say it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you say it that way? Terrorist? Oh, no, you say it that yeah, way. a different way. You say I, terrorist. I mean, you, there's a certain slack-jawness of Dan's pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Like a Cro-Magnon man. Sure. <laughs> don't know what I said. That was weird. But anyway, I mean, I grew up... In the Christian faith, and my uh, father was a minister, my grandfather was a minister, minister, my other grandfather was a minister, my uncle was a minister, uh, I went to church every Sunday, and I think this movie is the dumbest thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is really dumb, but also there's the fact that, that so you think the movie's over, because Christians realize the error of his ways. Mm-hmm. They take a snapshot of the whole family, freeze frame, it says Merry Christmas in text. Movie's over, That right? should be the end, right? No, incorrect. He's got to apologize to his wife and then have a dance party, a hip-hop, they do a dance, hip-hop party dance party for like five straight minutes. Well, movies, great credits are going to roll during this, movies right? Are over, movies over, right? No, time to sit down for dinner so Kurt Cameron can talk to us about materialism. Movie's over, right? Wrong. Time for the bloops. We finally got some bloops at the end of a movie, which did make me a little happy. Yeah. <laughs> that we finally got some bloopers. Yeah. A uh, lengthy blooper segment pads out the the <laughs> the fatted goose of seventy. Well, it minutes. brings it's me. It's like they had to have so much filler to reach the barest minimum length for a feature film. Yeah, 
I mean, this brings me to the the non car scene that I wanted to get at before, which is like the the <laughs> the line share of the bloopers are are the scene between uh, like the one black guy in the movie and DeAndre, this, De- DeAndre. this other guy played by actor and producer of this movie whose name I don't remember, and but this is his only role. And he fucking chews the shit out of that scene. Well, yeah, he is a born him ham. And like a guy who kind of looks like the Christian David Cross. And they- David crucified on a cross. <laughs> I guess the Christian David Cross would just be called David. If anything, David Cross should change his name to David Star of David. Like, yeah. like that. His uh, name, I never realized, is the perfect melding of Judaism and Christianity. David Cross. He's the, he's the hinge point between the Bible and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But there's this one inexplicable scene where we early in the movie where we cut from the car, the car and the stories that are being told. And it's the one time <laughs> the that we beautiful leave. Stories. It's the one time that we leave the, these two guys in the car. A moment where we're like, oh, let's check back in on that awesome party. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, let's these, leave my awkward car sit with Andre to go see these other guys. <laughs> these two guys. Uh, hiding their mouth with mugs so no one can see them, no one can see what they're talking about. And so that they can dub in the dialogue later. <laughs> they, they dub in this long uh, monologue about this conspiracy. Like, this guy's, like, going through all these conspiracy theories, and, it, and he, like, part of what he talks about in his conspiracy theories is the war on Christmas. So this movie takes, like, a weird, like, a surprising anti-war on Christmas They choose this, this character to, like, he's... He's I, clearly supposed to be like a, it's a humor moment, and you're not yeah. supposed to take him seriously. But he talks about the war on Christmas, and there's fewer bees, and there's chemtrails, and the New World Order. I saw it on Fox News. Yeah, so they're putting Fox News and the war on Christmas on the same level as chemtrails. So clearly, the movie is like interestingly uh, ideologically mixed on a lot of things. But at the same time, I don't like the. There's no purpose to the scene. Like it no, doesn't it make doesn't any mean- sense. Fucking yucks, dude. Yeah, yeah, fucking yucks. Yeah, to get us fucking cracking up. <laughs> you know, because you don't want people to only hear like super serious stories about Santa being a badass. True, true. They came here for jokes and entertainment. They didn't come here just for a sermon, boring. Some story about a tree that I totally forgot. What's crazy is that when I saw the trailer for this movie a long time ago, I thought it was going to be about Kirk Cameron coming out against the materialism of Christmas. And we all assume that roots. going into the, like It's a natural assumption. <laughs> the moment when the movie pulls an audition level fucking switch up <laughs> and we're like, this is not the movie we were expecting. This is a movie where he's justifying materialism is crazy. It's like this movie was conceived as a direct response to Charlie Brown Christmas. Where it's like, <laughs> no, Linus, that is not what this is about. <laughs> this is about doing the things we tell you to do. Mm-hmm. I would now. I love now. I wish. I wish we had the DVD so we watch the deleted scenes where Kirk Cameron explains why eggnog is part of God's There's plan. There's literally mm-hmm. a part in the in the movie where Kirk Cameron goes, "Now let's feast," and it's just like <laughs> you might as well be like, "Gluttony, gluttony for all." But uh, it's a. It's a movie that, I mean, it was made to be shown in, like, church basements and stuff like that, or, like, to have, I assume, Dan, this is the kind of movie you're familiar with. As pornography. (laughs) Kind of. In a way, there's a lot of pornography to it. Like, the the moment where... Well, the hardcore scene in the the middle between Jesus and and Mary was crazy. I mean, that's his mom. (laughs) The uh, I'm not into those. But but showing a guy like Kirk Cameron convincing another smart guy with, like, his weird bullshit logic 
to like to and go along with the what way, he's saying. Like, like that's the ultimate pornography for some folks. The idea that you've yeah. like interesting, you've had a conversation and through your own fucking logic, you convinced them. Like nothing gets his fucking boner exploding <laughs> faster. Yeah, the most easily convinced man in the world. Like the, Kirk Cameron, you, like tells him a story. And he's like, oh. Yeah, I never thought of that. You get the My eyes have been open. If Kirk Cameron was like, I got to use the bathroom, stay right here and left, and then another guy got in <laughs> and started telling him the opposite, he'd be like, yeah, you got a good point. I yeah. have a harder time when I'm bartending of convincing Dan to have another drink than this guy has. <laughs> of good- and for that, all you have to go is, Dan, and he goes, well, yeah, one more. <laughs> Y'all take it. It's, it's like, a, I mean, we went into this incorrectly thinking that it was a movie. And when it's more, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's it's like when it's an experience. <laughs> you don't uh, watch Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas; you live it. Uh, I love, kind of, I love when like Christian, like you know, like Christian is making like a Christian valid the character, not Christian. Yes, okay. Christian is making a valid point about Christmas trees being a pagan tradition. And who cares? Like, that's a valid point, although who cares if they are? Like, it's also a beautiful thing to do. Like, I have a Christmas tree in my apartment right now. Looking at it right now. As we record. But Kirk Cameron's uh, rationale for it is, like, basically twofold. He's like, "Uh, there were trees in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) And also, trees are kind of like a cross. And Jesus got crucified on a cross. Like, this is the level of, of discourse that the movie exists on. He, and there's something beautiful about that. There's a lot of tree, huh? Let me tell you all the times trees show up in the Bible. It's like, well, should we have lepers at the party? Like, I don't understand. Should there be yeah. plagues at the party? Like, those are in the Bible, too. Ugly uh, Christmas sweaters almost reflect the pain the ascetics felt when wearing a hair <laughs> shirt. <laughs> what would be uglier? Than a world without divine grace. <laughs> to look at that sweater is to be reminded what we owe to Jesus for egg his suffering. Eggnog. Egg Eggs symbolize the egg that were not fertilized by man, but by God. <laughs> and the nog, of course. Well, of course, nog. It's all midichlorians. <laughs> it, does, it does feel like an entire movie of, of uh, Qui-Gon explaining what midichlorians are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I feel like, uh, as I always do when I see movies like this, I feel like a piece of entertainment from an alternate reality that I'm not meant to witness slipped through by accident. Yeah. Like, I'm not the intent. I know, for me, you guys totally are the intended audience. But mm-hmm. I'm not oh, the Oh, yeah, in- I was laughing it up like a fucking, <laughs> like a dog. You kept saying, more, please. I was like, a dog lapping up its own sick. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop. I'll probably just barf it up and lick it up again. But it, all I could think about was like, the number of grandkids who are going to have to watch this movie while they're visiting their fam- their grandparents on mm-hmm. Christmas and like, sorry, folks, but I mean, Libby- they almost need to make a sequel so they can have a fucking story from Kirk Cameron explaining how this movie is part of the like <laughs> how this movie's part of the Bible, basically. The Lord moves in mysterious ways, much like movies. Uh, Jesus said, you will not always have me with you, much as this movie will end, and then you'll have to do something else. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we've been through the entire movie. We should uh, wrap it up and give our final judgments. Wrap it up like a Christmas present? Exactly like a Christmas present. And say whether this is... So I don't get one. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) 
You get a Hanukkah present, so something bad probably. Oh, Holiday no, Hanukkah's bundle. got great presents. Really? I, here's here's a stereotype I'd like to knock down. Thank okay. you. Uh, on an earlier episode, I talked about the stereotype of the lonely guy masturbating because he's sad. Not true. Guys masturbate for any number of reasons, and often you feel better often afterwards. Often for pleasure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> often for the pleasurable, pleasurable <laughs> sensation. Uh, my in my experience, sometimes Hanukkah, it's just for shock value. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a, at a baseball game or at an opera, sure. But uh, my Hanukkah presents growing up, great presents. You know why? Because you're trying to com- compete with Christmas. You're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, that is true. I mean, there's no reason to give gifts at Hanukkah <laughs> otherwise. It's mainly a gambling holiday, what with the yeah. dreidel and the gelt and all, and the lot because it's about a, This is a gift that cholesterol. we Christians have given to you. Thank the you, competition. Dan. Thanks. But uh, it's... I mean, it is watching, it's maybe this, I'm a little harsh in my mind on this movie after uh, it was so, as it was so forcefully explained to me on election night that I'm here by the good favor of other people in this country. Mm -hmm. It's this real Sorry for explaining that to you. No, I appreciate it, Stuart. You needed to, because I was was feeling a little too, like, ownership of the place much. But uh, but while watching it, there was this moment where I was like, hmm. Oh, there's a lot of people who just don't see the universe the same way I do. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. All right. So I give it a good grade. Okay. Final judgments. I actually think it's a, it's a, it's, yeah. I actually. The judgments are a good, bad, 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 or a movie you kind of like. I actually call it a good, bad movie. It's yeah. pretty funny. Uh, and it's super short. If you skip the we, bloops, and if you le- if you end it before the hip hop dance, this movie is easily what fifty minutes long. Yeah. Wait a minute, are you like leaving because you already know which sports team won, and you're like, <laughs> "Fuck, I'm out gotta here. beat the rush." Yeah, you're like, you already threw the ring of Mount Doom. Time I mean, to get out of here. The, re- <laughs> the reason that I miss the ending of every baseball game my family went to as a kid because around the seventh inning, my dad will be like, "Well." This is over. Let's go. Uh, I mean, the score is 3-2. It's li- still anybody's game. I don't want to have to wait in line in the parking lot. Let's get out of here. And then we'd hear on the on the radio on the car ride home that our team won. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, sounded like it was an exciting game we just missed the end of. Thanks, Pop. Yeah, but we got the free towel they were giving out. No, okay, thanks, Dad. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. This, to me, was a, a good, bad movie. I had a blast watching this, actually. <laughs> Although, what I liked was seeing Dan really enjoying it for a while, and then there was a moment where Dan was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, I think theologically, it's terrible. <laughs> around the materialism thing at the end, you, it just, like, snapped you in a way that I found entertaining. <laughs> what do you think, Stu? I just don't think it's a movie. <laughs> That's like, uh, I don't know, like if somebody showed me an episode of a TV show and I'd have to judge it as a movie, and I don't think that's fair. Uh (laughs) Wait, that's, okay. Okay, fine. I guess it's a fucking awesome movie. It's super great. (laughs) There's all these characters, like four of them. So on the scale from Terminator 2 to Road Warrior, where, where would you put it? Uh, I guess it's closer to Terminator 2 because of the message. (laughs) (laughs) Budget, it's closer to Road Warrior, I guess. Uh, There's no Vernon Wells in it, but he might have been in the giant Nutcracker. (laughs) I'm going to say good, bad movie. Okay. Hooray, three good bads. It's It's a a Christmas Christmas miracle. Oh, I was going to say that. From the dawn of time, one podcast has unlocked the secrets of science and technology to enrich the lives of billions. And now, after a year where they've unlocked the golden age of knowledge, they're about to hit warp speed and go stratospheric. Wait, hold up. 
On Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie, we don't make extraordinary claims. We investigate them. We go undercover with fringe religious groups, investigate paranormal claims, and we participate in pseudoscientific medical treatments and then report our findings to you. And yes, we've even investigated Scientology. Shh, Ross, shh. New episodes every month at MaximumFun.org. Oh no, Ross and Carrie. They show up so you don't have to. Comedy, friendship, and creativity. All of this and more wait for you at Max FunCon. Join us for Max FunCon in Lake Arrowhead next June or Max FunCon East in the Poconos next September. Tickets for both events are on sale now, but they're going fast. Visit MaxFunCon.com to buy your tickets right now. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon, a clothier who believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. And boy, is that shopping simple, friends. Oh, it don't get any simpler than <laughs> Mac Weldon. whip shop. out your phone. Go to Yo, MacWeldon.com, say beep, boop, boop into your phone <laughs> microphone. Siri takes you right there, and you go, what kind of undergarments do I want to slap on my bottom bits? Let me say something about Mac Weldon. Mm-hmm. I don't want you guys to have to think about what's covering my penis right now, uh-huh. but no. it's Mac Weldon underwear right now as I record this, and it is super comfortable. Wrapped around like a tourniquet? Nope. That would imply there's something wrong with my penis, and it clearly works. I have a son. He's mine, right? Oh, God. <laughs> but the test said... Don't think about it now. Don't think about it now. You're on the air. Uh, He's so blonde, Elliot. It's it's true. He is very blonde. Uh, He does okay. Curly blonde locks doesn't look like me. Yeah, he's he's good at sports. uh, Not true. He's actually a little uncoordinated, but (laughs) (laughs) and he's interested mainly in monsters and muppets right now. So uh, if anything, very close to me. Uh, I think uh, yeah. It's and it's the most comfortable underwear. It's super comfortable, and you don't feel swampy at the end of the day. No. That swampy feeling? No. Say it, goodbye to it. And it looks goodbye, great. Goodbye, swampy feeling, you say. Hey, you say, hey, swamp thing, get out of here, get the, Alec Holland. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> hey, you'll go be part of the green, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing. Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it, and they'll refund you. No questions asked. Which is a funny offer, though. That being said, it's like, don't like that umpire? Don't like that underwear? Keep it. Mm, you, nope. got, you got an effigy to make and want to clothe it in underpants for some reason? You hey, can use these. Disposing of that underwear you don't like is your problem now. But you're going to like it because it's really – I guess tell them you don't like it so you can ha- you can keep it because it's really good. You're going to wear it all the time. Are you like Elliot and are offended there's a statue of Captain America? Well, why don't you put some underpants on him and laugh at him? I mean I'm not offended. I think it's weird to have a statue for – a very militarized statue of a fictional character when uh, – Let's let's I'll just take it somewhere else, Bill Maher. Let me just say, let's just pick a name out of my hat uh, that Elizabeth Roebling, who basically built the Brooklyn Bridge. There's no statue of her in Brooklyn, and there should be. I've been wanting to put a petition like up a about that, but I don't shield? know how to do it. Yeah, holding a giant shield and punching Hitler in the face. <laughs> oh wow, that's a really complicated statue. Go on, Dan. It's more the of point a tableau. Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, shirts, all their stuff looks good. But also performs well in all sorts of uh, environments. Working out, going to work, going on dates, just uh, doing whatever, man. All the Star Wars environments. Desert planet, mm-hmm. cold planet, forest mm-hmm. planet, foundry Cantina planet. planet. Well, Cantina's on the desert planet. Yeah, if you're going to have to deny death sticks from uh, Elan Slee's Bagano. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to try it out for yourself, go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code... Flop. 
flop, it's easy to remember because it's what the thing inside the Mack Weldon underpants will be doing in lesser underpants. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just flopping around. Jeez. I highly recommend them. Uh, the podcast tonight is also sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Well, look, posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. That's foolish. Mm-hmm. Why would you think that you're going to get the best candidates just by putting it in one place where you know people aren't going to see that? What if the place is bestcandidates.com? That place is uh, playing you for a fool, Elliot. <laughs> okay, now what if the place is on the bottom of a homeless man's shoe? Uh, then you really are depending on the luck of the universe to provide you with the finest What if candidate. I believe that serendipity is when fate has a sense of humor? <laughs> then you... You're writing <laughs> fucking movie posters? <laughs> that, I mean, plagiarizing them, That yes. movie made me angry, by the way. How so? Explain. When they get back to ZipRecruiter. The whole point Explain of the movie Explain how is... a movie based on a dessert restaurant... Got you angry. John Cusack and who is it? Kate Beckinsale? The Saleist, yeah. The Beckinsaleist. They, they uh, have a great uh, date together. They think that they're in love. And they, uh, Kate Beckinsale, I believe, writes her name in a book, mm-hmm. a copy of a book. Says that if, it's they, meant to be, if it's meant to be, you'll th- find this, this book again. Will come that is bullshit. That book? Congo by Michael Crichton. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, but I don't want that book to come back to me. <laughs> What? It's got a talking gorilla named Amy. Yeah. That's pretty great. I mean, the most bad, bad gorilla. The most bad gorilla. <laughs> Amy. Barely. Amy. Nose hair man. <laughs> like, barely a talking gorilla. <laughs> she has some kind of vocoder strapped to her sign language arm. If that's talking, well, then yeah. I don't want to talk. If that's the future, send me back to bedrock. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bad rock. <laughs> So, Dan, continue. Tell us about ZipRecruiter. Uh, so where should we recruit from? So if Dan you, is hiring, what, uh, somebody to be your, a footman or a maid? Sh- a valet? <laughs> yeah, Batman? Yeah. <laughs> Batman. I want a personal Batman. My own personal Batman. Like the song. <laughs> your own personal Batman. This going to go so long. <laughs> so anyway, ZipRecruiter. If you want to find the perfect hire... You need to post your job on all of the top sites. And now you can because with ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. What? That's right. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. And recruit. <coughs> uh, Dan, I believe we have a Jumbotron. We do we have a Jumbotron, a Jumbotron message this we week. We also have a Jumbotron message. If you'd like to get a message on Jumbotron, go to maxfun.org yeah. forward slash Jumbotron. Maximumfun.org forward slash Jumbotron. And this message is for Mark, and it's from Nettie. And the mm-hmm. message is, I am missing you so much, I have resorted to wasting my time with the Flophouse, parentheses, purported, gentlemen. These guys are my only support system right now. Can you see how desperate I've become? Oh, well, thanks for the diversion, Flop Buddies. Mark, go give Nettie some company or something. Yeah. Yeah. Nettie shouldn't have to put, have so, to settle for us. Nettie doesn't, yeah, she shouldn't have to be using us as go-betweens. 
Is this like a frequency situation where Mark is in the past and she's in the future? Or I think it's like she, the lake house. Yeah, or frequency. Yeah, I mean Stewart's version worked. Yeah, don't know why I need to try to top him with a different one. <laughs> You put this podcast in the mailbox and it goes back in time. Here's what you do. You put this podcast in Doc Brown's pocket. Then he delivers it 30 years from now, thanking you for saving him from the Libyans or whatever. But then he drops the podcast on the ground and Biff picks it up. <laughs> oh, whoa, no. whoa. Now he knows what movie we're going to talk about in the future <laughs> and he can bet on it. Hey, Dan, can I plug something while we're at it? Sure. I'd like to plug my other podcast, or rather series, it's called. It's called Presidents or People 2, and in it, me and my co-host Alexis Co. talk about all the presidents. Um, it's available through iTunes now, or you can go to Audible and Audible Originals. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can get that way too. And listen to even more episodes. If you're an Audible member, you get all the episodes. iTunes takes a little bit longer. There's a little bit of a delay before the iTunes listeners get it. But... New episodes are posted all the time. We've got a bunch of good episodes. Maybe start out with our Teddy Roosevelt, or mm-hmm. perhaps you could try our Richard Nixon or John F. Kennedy. Or, hey, you know what? Go with, like, John Quincy Adams. Maybe somebody you don't after, know so much uh, as about. American about. presidents. That's because every president gets their own individual episode, and we're going to do all 45 of them. Uh, there are a couple of other <coughs> short announcements that uh, we should make. Number one. Martin uh, Short is here. The, oh, that's wow. a short announcement. The, uh, I just wanted to say that... Uh, Glad the, he didn't do a Martin Short impression. The Flophouse... No. Oh, announcement number two, Martin Short has been shot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the Flophouse Facebook group, uh, their charity ra- dra- their charity drive, not grive. There's no, no such cha- thing as a charity drive. Uh, maybe, hey, make it new. It's your thing now, boo. <laughs> I'm straight tripping, boo. <laughs> uh, your tongue is. The, oh! Flophouse Facebook. <laughs> You're on fire tonight, dude. Mm-hmm. The, the Flophouse Facebook has organized a charity drive for Planned Parenthood. We mentioned it before. Plant uh, Parenthood. If you want to donate. That's for the plant nurseries. You can uh, go. We've got a link up on the site. Uh, but we also want to mention that we will be doing another live show. Our our energy, live show... Energy, Dan. Enthusiasm. Yeah, <laughs> so we're doing a show at the Alamo Draft House, the new Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, New York it's that a just opened. Beautiful theater. It's great. The movie I'm recommending tonight, I saw there. We're going to be doing a, uh, a riff show where we're going to be making jokes over the movie. Classic bad movie... Uh, what the boy next door? The is boy next door. The boy next door, starring J Lo and some uh, fella, <laughs> some abs delivery system. If you haven't seen this movie, it is hilarious and it goes crazy. Unfortunately, three yahoos are going to be talking over it the whole time. Their names: Dan Stewart and Elliot. Uh-huh. Tickets are going to go on sale on Monday. Yeah, the Monday after this episode comes out. Uh, and come join us. It's a pretty small Monday, the twelfth of December. I think we're going to be, be on big sale, room, but it's going to be fun. The I mean, show it's not is as big on as a stadium. <laughs> the show is on January the fourteenth. That's a Saturday. That's a Saturday. So if you did not get tickets to our Bell House show January on the twenty first, which is sold out, never fear. There's another show at the Alamo, a different type of show, a movie riffing show. On January the 14th at the Alamo Draft House, Brooklyn. And guys, I my riffing chops are pretty pretty tight now after my Mystery Science Theater uh, work. Why is that? Oh, because you worked for a show? 
Uh, a television show, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm also the show that be... invented movie riffing, and I'm saying that as if I had anything to do with that, <laughs> even though I was a child when it started. Uh, I'm also going to plug something real quick. Uh, this the, toaster into the wall. The <laughs> I'm really dadding it up tonight. Yeah, yeah, just... <laughs> threw another, threw another curveball at me, and I swung at it. Uh, so the the Max Fun New York group <laughs> is throwing a holiday party, their Candle Nights party, at my bar Hinterlands on in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn on uh, December seventeenth. It's a Saturday night. Um, so if you want to come down, I know I'm going to be there. I know before the party, I think the party starts at eight. There's going to be a, like a holiday cookie exchange beforehand. Weird. And, uh, I think there's going to be uh, a Yankee swap and my wife and I are organizing a silent auction with all the proceeds going to charity. Oh, very nice. So it should be fun. Uh, come on down to Hinterlands December 17th. If you haven't been to Hinterlands, you don't even have to wait for December 17th. Just go on down. It's a great bar. Speaking of candle lights, uh, which is a my brother, my brother, and me thing. Uh, just, no, it's called Hanukkah. I just want to <laughs> say, uh, Jordan, Jesse, go. Uh, Jesse said some very nice things about us in the last Jordan, Jesse, go about how uh, I don't buy it. our show. <laughs> our show has helped him through some tough times as uh, he has been unhappy about uh, the post-election uh, world. Uh, and I just wanted to say, in reciprocation, the same goes for his show and also uh, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. So Jordan, Jesse Go, and My Brother, My Brother, and Me, great shows that have helped me cheer up and just two of the shows on the Maximum Fun Network, which happens to be our network. Which has a lot of great shows. A lot of great shows. So, Including uh, uh, The Adventure Zone that I was recently a guest on. That's true. And Judge John Hodgman, which I was a guest on a while back. Synergy. It's turned into like a Tim and Eric bit. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of digital effects were going on with Dan's face that you couldn't see just then. Mm-hmm. But now that we're done with all of that stuff, we should move along. That was a lot of plugs. A lot of plugs. But I thought they were good plugs. We plugged good stuff. Yeah, we're like a couple of circuitry mans. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, circuitry's men. Um, Brendan Wells is getting a lot of airtime on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this he should be paying us. <laughs> Stuart, did you know, I don't know if you still can, there was a period when he was part of a stable of actors where you could pay him to talk on the phone with him for a half hour. That's fucking awesome. Or, or you could buy a call from Vernon Wells to somebody. I would totally do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll look up the information. I'm going to see. For, for a few years now, I've been considering get, doing that for your birthday. <laughs> oh my God, that would be incredible. And been like, is this something Stuart would really like? Or I don't know. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. Because I remember the rates being very reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now that you mentioned it, it's going to blow up and his rates are going (laughs) to Vernon Wells' time, less valuable than you'd think. (laughs) That's not true. Continue, Dan. We should move along to our next segment. Moving right along, ning-a-ning, ning-a-ning, to the next segment now. It's the letters segment. segment. With letters from you. All right, thank you. Um, So before we get into the letters proper... (sighs) <sighs> we should, uh, no, we've All got right, it. I'll sing a fuller song. Letters. No. We got the letters for us. No, okay. I'm, we have these gifts, these nice, uh, uh, holiday gifts oh. from Jason, last name withheld, which I feel like we should open now. So, opening things on air, as always, is going to go great. You can hear the oh, paper. Oh, Foley, Foley. Look, look at these presents. If held up against that tree, it would look like a modern Judea. It would look like some kind of futuristic oh, city. Oh, man. This is great. I love it. 
Whoa. Mm. So what I have here is I've got a Blu-ray special edition, Criterion Collection Edition of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Uh, Written by Roger Ebert. Yeah. I have got... Oh, what are you saying? No, a fine film. uh, I'm very excited. I have a Blu-ray of The Sun Shines Bright, which is a John Ford movie I have not seen, uh, which it mentions on the back is a remake of Judge Priest, which I have seen. But I'm not familiar with this one at all, so I'm curious to see it. Thank Is Judge you. Priest in Mega City 1 or <laughs> Mega City 3? Go! And I have Thank a you, Blu-ray Jason. copy of John Carpenter's Elvis. Oh. A John Carpenter movie I've Holy. never seen. Holy crap, that's amazing. Yeah. Where Kurt Russell plays Elvis. This the movie awesome. he met Kurt Russell on, right? Uh, as I said, I don't know, so we're gonna find <laughs> out. <laughs> these are really, these are really great picks. I think. Uh, thank these you, are Jason. fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. You know us. It would be funny if John Carpenter decided to do the score for the Elvis movie too, and so Elvis <laughs> is just performing like songs from the Big Trouble in Little China <laughs> soundtrack. Hey, who's that guy over there? We'll try. Okay, play us a song. Big Trouble <laughs> in Little China. Uh, but uh, moving into thank the, you, Jason. Everyone, yeah, thank you very much. Moving into the letters. Now it's time for the real oh letters gifts on the side. Thanks for those gifts, and now here we're giving a gift to you in the form of reading letters. Thanks. I just don't have it tonight. That's right. I mean, no, I we've got we've had a number of songs. They've just been <laughs> yeah, it's short and short. sweet, like an anal cunt song. <laughs> Um, is that a band? <laughs> yeah, duh. Oh yeah, I, f- I forgot they're the number one band uh, in the country. Doy, <laughs> doy, don't you watch TRL? Uh, so this is uh, <laughs> just imagining that band being on TRL. <laughs> this is from Name Withheld because I didn't even put the first name on here. I'm so- <laughs> Professional, super, super profesh. Uh, Somebody's been on ZipRecruiter. <laughs> Hey, flop tarts. <laughs> I was recently thinking about the zombie film 28 Days Later, which I perceived to have a radical shift in tone halfway through. I mean, a radical <laughs> shift in Is tone. It, uh, when he's throwing all those zombies, start skateboarding. That's when Sandra Bullock turns into a zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. Hi-yo, 28 Days joke. A radical shift halfway to, through. <laughs> waka, waka. <laughs> At first, it seemed like a moody and thoughtful post-apocalyptic story with grounded characters before turning into a pulpy, over-the-top gore fest when the military shows up. I kind of feel the tonal shift was supposed to complement the narrative twist, but it just spoiled the movie for me, like if there was a fart joke in Citizen Kane, but the fart joke is the entire second half. I will mention that there is a fart joke in The Great Gatsby. Can you think of any movies with wildly inconsistent tones or huge shifts in tone that actually benefit... Uh, from the in- inconsistency, you're all the best, especially Elliot. Oh, thank you. Well, I, Stuart oh, mentioned. He misspells your name, so. You're dead to me. Uh, Stuart mentioned Audition earlier in the. Yeah, Audition episode. is the gold standard for I, a tone shift. For movie. like extreme tone shifts that pay off really well. I'm a big fan of uh, Something Wild that starts off like a hmm. screwball sex comedy and then turns into a tense thriller when Ray Liotta comes in as a crazy ex-boyfriend. Not quite as radically, like The Apartment is similar, in that it starts, it seems to start out as kind of like a goofy sex farce, but becomes a story about, like, attempted suicide and real heartbreak and things, and, like, what it means to be a human being. That yeah. one's less abrupt in terms of the overt tone, but in terms of subject matter, it's a, it's a real shift. 
<laughs> then there are really overt movies with a shift, like from dusk till dawn. I was going to just say that. Well, it's, but that's like a, that's not so much a tone shift as just like the plot. It's like two movies got smashed together. <laughs> that's, I, I love the shift in from dusk till dawn, but I remember watching that movie in the theater. And when the vampire showed up, my friend leaned over to me and goes, I think this film just took a turn for the stupider. <laughs> Except all the commercials for the movie made it clear that they were, it was a vampire movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it also got like it also gets way wackier. That's true. You know, it does get silly. Certainly, I mean, Tom Savini has a penis gun in that movie. Yeah, but that's before the vampires get there. (laughs) Okay, I guess you're right. But like, or Gremlins Two is kind of similar in that it starts out as kind of like a silly horror movie, not horror movie. It starts as a silly monster movie and then becomes literally a live action cartoon. You know, like it pushes the silliness so far. I remember when I was a kid, like. That was like a bridge too far. I, I love Gremlins 2 now, but when I was a kid, I was like, I wanted a scary movie. <laughs> uh-huh. And then like, really? it got so silly I loved at it the so end. much. That was like heaven for me. Dude, I went apeshit for Gremlins 2. Yeah. I had like all the collectible cards and I kept them in a fucking sleeved binder <laughs> in order. Uh, Who tra- was your favorite Gremlin in Gremlins 2, Dan? Uh, I liked the spider Gremlin. Really? Not the crazy Gremlin <clears throat> who pretends to be a dentist? He's awesome. He's great. <laughs> and by the oh, way, that's exactly Elliot's favorite gremlin. Oh, yeah, always. Just Either like my that favorite, or the electric gremlin that kills all the other gremlins. Just like how my favorite weasel in Roger Rabbit is the crazy one in the straight jacket who just carries a straight razor in his hand. Uh, no, yes, that's terrifying. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked that Dan's favorite gremlin isn't the most obvious one, the lady gremlin. Yeah, actually, you're right, because I'm sure there were plenty of lonely nights as it where Dan <laughs> was solaced by thoughts of the of being Robert Picardo at the end. <laughs> when I was that a, lady gremlin. When I know when I was a kid, I was like, that's the stupidest thing. <laughs> Girls are gross. Yeah. They got a gremlin with cooties. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> No, it's so a little Dice Man show. <laughs> <No. laughs> dice Man Dan's watching Rivers too. Hickory Dickory Duck. <laughs> the tone shift of this movie is oh. Um, I'm trying to think. There are other. Um, there are movies that are slipping my mind right now that go that where there's an abrupt shift that that works out real well, either from comedy to drama or it's rarer to go from drama to comedy. Yeah. But for a movie that starts out silly and becomes very serious, I feel like that. It all happens and pays off quite a bit. I tend to like a tone shift movie. I don't know. I I find that any movie that's like brave enough to do that usually is pretty confident. And also, to be often, it like the older I get, the more bo- the faster I get bored with movies in a way. Yeah. And so, if a movie shows me something different at a certain point, I'm like, okay, great. It's like I'm watching another movie already. Yeah, you become desensitized to the thing that you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly put it that way, yeah. but maybe. You have to find new and crazier delights to stimulate yourself. I mean, Eventually, that is... you'll travel to the Far East and find this magical <laughs> puzzle box. No, don't you... finish it. Don't complete it. What's it called? The what's it called sequence? I wasn't going to finish the joke for fear that Pinhead and his buddies would <laughs> no! show up. But, uh... That's kind of what happens with bad movies, with people who watch a lot of bad movies, is that they have to watch crazier and kind of grosser bad movies to get that same thrill of like, oh, what? And that's when I found myself reading like zines or websites about crazy movies, where at a certain point it's like, "Mm, you know what? 
I've learned more about this Italian hardcore zombie horror film from the 70s <laughs> than I want to. I'm not going to watch this. Yeah. I think I'll just learn about something else now. Yeah, when you become like a, a searcher of extremity, uh-huh. you, uh, you begin to, I think you uh, everybody reaches a point where you realize that extremity for extremity's sake is not really worth it and that you want you want more nuance. Yeah. And I, if there's you want not, subtlety to your brutality. If there's not a metal band the day after this is released called Searcher of Extremity, <laughs> I'm very disappointed. Yeah, they're going to be opening for uh, Vagenda of Manocide. <laughs> Uh, this next letter is from Peter, last name withheld. Pumpkinator. He says, I just had an Elliot sighting in Park Slope tonight. It was super exciting. Stay away from my family. <laughs> my, my friends and I were in a, a chocolate... man bites dog moment. My friends were in... I, my friends... And I were in a chocolate bar hanging out, talking shit. Wait. Oh, that is the chocolate. Wait, they were in like like a giant chocolate bar? <laughs> That's right. They're inside of Snickers. It's like the poster for sack lunch from Seinfeld. How'd they get in that bag? I mean, is it a really big bag? I love that That's that she, she like can't. Deal. She can't even <laughs> conceive of the idea that the it's a metaphor on the poster. It must be a literal representation of what happens in the movie Sack Lunch. Oh, they had the best fake movies on that Sack Lunch and Channel and Death Blow. Uh, so to continue, <laughs> my friends and I were in a chocolate bar hanging out, talking shit after an outstanding meal at Bear Burger. Went in, walked oh, Elliot. Oh, so were at Cocoa Bar. Okay. And walked Elliot with his friends, just hanging out, talking shit. I pulled out my phone and showed my friends, hey, one of those dudes is on this podcast. I ultimately left <coughs> without saying anything to Elliot, much like the time I saw John Mulaney carrying laundry detergent outside Bigelow's on 6th Avenue. Because really, what is there to say? I mean, that's a much better celebrity sighting than me, but... Have you guys ever... Broadway star John Mulaney, yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever not said something to a famous person? Also, who else should I put on my star star map in Park Slope? <laughs> I've obviously seen Maggie Gyllenhaal at Gorilla Coffee and Peter Sarsgaard at Bark Hot Dogs. Mm-hmm, yeah, I, I know well, that not Bark has since closed, but I know that. I mean, ben, you could have seen it when Bark was open. I know. I'm just saying, don't go to Bark Hot Dogs expecting to see. Yeah, it's not going to be Peter Sarsgaard because he's not going to be there anymore because it doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't have to fucking go to Hogwarts and get a time turner. <laughs> I know that Vince from Entourage is a co-op member. Oh, I didn't know that. Might I see Jod Hodgman at Key Food one day? No, he'll see him at Union Market. Sincerely yours in Floppitude, Peter, last name. Yeah, just look for the killer calves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, so I who see, have you seen and not talked to? Uh, well, Steve Buscemi... And who also do you see in Park Slope? In Park Slope, Steve Buscemi. I walked by him on the street, and he seemed... It was very clear he was not interested. He just had stuff to do, and he was not interested in talking to anyone who recognized him. So I just, just like, okay, I don't recognize you. John Turturro I've seen a number of times talking to himself, <laughs> walking into traffic, just whistling loudly. <laughs> um, I walked. Past, I was walking through Park Slope, and uh, it was a Saturday afternoon, and I was with some people, and we walked past uh, Patrick Stu- uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah, because he lives in the neighborhood. Wife, no. And he was wearing, like, a newsboy cap. His wife, Martha Stewart. And he... Uh, I looked at him, did a double take. <laughs> I probably did like an auga. And, uh, Your eyes turned into enterprises <laughs> and then back again. So I did a double take and made eye contact with him. And he kind of lowered his head and like touched his cap. Uh, and I didn't say anything. Oh, that's nice, I'm though. sure he saw me and was like, 
that's the exact kind of motherfucker that's going to blow up my spot. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, make it so anyway. I got to get going. I was at that bar, the Bull Moose or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? In the time, one in near Times Square. Near Times Square, yeah. The old the bar we used to go to after after Club comedy shows. shows yeah. yeah. Uh, and I saw Peter Dinklage there with a woman who had a very significant whale tail on her thong. Uh, so what were you more excited about? <laughs> what caught your eye first? Uh, was it seeing the star of a show that is famous and is also you know easy to pick out in a crowd let's just say mm-hmm. or was it seeing was her, it seeing her, peter dinklage <laughs> was it seeing her visible underpants you know six of one uh so i saw peter dinklage that one and i also was walking down the street once and i saw bob costas and he gave me a look like yeah i'm bob costas Won't make a big deal out of it and i was like who the fuck cares <laughs> Like, boy, you are barking up the wrong tree, Bob Costas. You're like, I don't care about sports. Stop dyeing your hair, old man. (laughs) Exactly. uh, Oh, you fucking showed him. But there have been a lot of times where there are celebrities I wish I had said something to. Like, get the fuck out of my way. No, that that I wish Mm -hmm. I had introduced myself to, but I was too nervous to. At the Writers Guild Awards last year, Frank Conniff was there. And I was just Whoa. too nervous to introduce myself to him because I didn't know how to approach him. Yeah, if we're talking about celebrity regrets, uh, when we were at the Emmys the last time for John, uh, winning for John Show, uh, was it? It wasn't that time. I think it was the time before that. Actually, Tatiana Maslany was there, and I would have dearly loved to have, like gone up to her. Oh, there was there was a time when I was we we a year we had won. And we were, I was walking into the governor's ball, and Bob Odenkirk was like right in front of me, and I was like, and I wanted to introduce myself to him so badly because I'm such, I've been a fan of his, you know, for yeah. 20 years, more than that. <clears throat> but it's, I was like, uh, I can't do it. And it was like, if ever there was a, like, you have like a bit from the Ben Stiller show queued <laughs> up in your head. <laughs> yeah. So like, do one of your 60 second conspiracy theories, <laughs> but like, uh, do the electric car one. But uh, it like, I had an Emmy in my hand, and I felt like right. I did not have the confidence to introduce. To, to like introduce myself to him even yeah. as a fan like ugh terrible but Regrets. uh but in Park Slope I have a few yeah. but then again too few to mention <laughs> but uh Park Slope's full of celebrities come it's on down and, with them, and, yeah. and people sight you shake the buildings and they all come tumbling <laughs> out falling out yep uh especially if they're Stevie Sammy or John Turturro mm-hmm. so uh this next one is from Nick last name withheld cliche <laughs> Uh, he says, after finally delving through every episode in the Flophouse archives, I set out to find another bad movie podcast to listen to in between <laughs> episodes. In an act of what can only be described as brand loyalty, I decided to forego the obvious, how did this get made, and instead settled on the worst idea of all time podcast. If you aren't familiar, it's the podcast where two New Zealand comedians get together and watch the same bad movie once a week for a year. And document their descent into madness. Assuming this in some way doesn't violate... That sounds fucking brutal, man. Podcasting once a week? Yeah. <laughs> Assuming this... Ba-da, ba, ba-da, ba. <laughs> I hope that sound picked up on the, on the microphones. <laughs> Assuming this in some way doesn't violate the Eighth Amendment, which they apparently don't have in New Zealand... What previously flopped movie would you three watch every week for a year? Nick, last name withheld. P.S. I gently caress the doorknob in a firm yet sensual manner. Did I win Radio Zork? 
can't do a Trojan horse radio zork uh, maneuver. That doesn't work. Mm-mm, nope. Shut mm. it down, Dan. <laughs> Shut it all completely down. Uh, I, I mean, I think the answer is pretty clear, guys. It's Bratz the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be, You're right. It is Bratz. I think the that's movie. also the movie we've watched. The most times. Other than Tango and Cash. Or, yeah, I mean... Oh, Tango and Cash. That's a good... I don't actually, think we can say that, I though. Feel I like that's unfair. We, but we watch that knowing that we love it. Yeah, we that We watch that unfair. for funzos. I feel like that would be that would be like a tax loophole in this thing. To mm-hmm. be like, hey, technically it's legal. Yeah, but you're not supposed to do it that way. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say maybe no deposit. Oh, right. I could watch that, that once a week. That was fun. Uh, I Know Who Killed Me was pretty fun. Actually, yeah, I know who killed me was pretty fun too, and that brings back good memories of the first time Elliot was on the show. Yeah, I think. it's a yeah. special movie in my heart for that reason. What movie has the most butts? Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I mean, probably. It has like a butt in it. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. Yeah, watched but a that. lot of times the same butt multiple times. That doesn't count as extra butts. <laughs> you count butts your way, and I'll count mine. With this butt census is never going to get off the yeah. ground. Uh, I think I I think you're right though. I think you got it in one. I think Bratz. Bratz, yeah. Bratz, yeah. It's, it's, it has a certain joie de vivre that I uh, enjoy. I find myself thinking about the songs from that movie more often than I'd like to. They're not particularly good songs. They're very catchy. Uh, do you ever do you ever have nightmares that your wife is going to come home and catch you and Sammy watching the Bratz movie and Sammy's like singing along to the songs and everything? I thought you were going to say, do you ever ever have nightmares that your wife's a brat? (laughs) (laughs) That I just turn over in bed and she's got huge distorted eyes and and like, and almost no, like she's like stick thin. That's, that would be horrifying. But, uh, right now my son's new thing now is the songs from Frozen. Uh, Uh, so, I mean, the brat songs are not that far out of the general ballpark in terms of quality. There's a real difference. But I could see it happening. And you know what? I'd support him every step of the way because he's got an attention span of about three weeks and then it'll be on to something else. Uh-huh. Uh, the last letter of the evening is from Christopher, last name withheld. Cross. Who's, <laughs> he says. <laughs> it's titled Movie Idea for Stuart. Movie Idea for Stuart. <laughs> So he's singing it as he types it. I mean, that's more Michael McDonald, but that's okay. (laughs) OMG, Stu, dude. Yep. A movie where a regular dude falls in love with a cartoon hottie, like a regular Jessica Rabbit hottie. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Humans and cartoons exist together. And they have a baby, and the baby is CGI. Okay. Also, they have to stop a real estate developer from steamrolling a cartoon estate developer, mostly because cartoon housing is cheaper, and you can't charge as much for it. That's Sounds pretty, pretty much all I, I got. Mean, cheaper and you can't charge as much for it are pretty much the same thing. Oh, and expect a lot of cartoon nudity. Christopher last name withheld. Sounds great, dude. <laughs> Wait, so Stuart in this movie? I don't or he's just <laughs> watching this movie. <laughs> See, I'm just the most narrow of narrow casting. Now, have you ever seen the the show Shark Tank? Because that's just what you witnessed here today, boys. I am a shark style investor sitting on my plinth <laughs> on my dais, judging all those before me. And what he just did is he did a what they call in the business an elevator pitch, right, guys? That's what they call it. I don't know what business. I don't know movie making. <laughs> <laughs> I like I love to imagine a Shark Tank where Ralph Bakshi is one of the investors. 
<laughs> so it's like, so this is a product that uh, it keeps food fresher. The longer. idea that um, when do the cartoon boobs come into it? If I could be on a show where I get to sit on a stage with Ralph Bakshi and people pitch cartoon <laughs> porno movie ideas to us, that would be amazing. I am sure Spike could find room for it in its lineup. Yeah, definitely. Come on. Between all the Ink Master spinoffs. Or the Esquire Network. Does that still exist? Probably. Uh, but thank you, I guess, for that <laughs> movie pitch. I mean, mm-hmm. it's Dan. Dan says that as if he did not read the letter at all before choosing it. <laughs> as if Sometimes the letters else... choose me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm, Yoda over here. <laughs> mm. Mm, Yoda. Mm, yeah, back it up, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good, Yoda. <laughs> Looking real nice. Yeah. Why don't you put that gnarled walking stick down and. Uh, <laughs> Stop, next stop wagging that R2, you know, with it. <laughs> what's stop, a, what's just, under that robe, huh? And just stop stealing that Space Traveler's Nutri-Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I was always fucking wondering what those tasted like, because he's into it, dude. He really like, likes them. But you have to believe that he's eaten nothing but, like, boiled bark stew for a hundred years. Actually, not a hundred years, twenty years, because they inserted him into the prequel timeline, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, yeah. So disappointing. I kind yeah. of always assumed that he was like, like one of those holy fool types, like yeah. a wise man who is also kind of like not fit for normal society because he's so crazy. Yeah, but it turns out like he's, he's just, just in hiding. Yeah, he's just in hiding, and he was as sensible as as anything. He's yeah. like a little frog ninja that kills clone troopers super easy. Yeah, yeah. and says yeah. around the Jedi a perimeter make or whatever. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so it'll all be explained in that Yoda solo film that comes up when he marries Han Solo and becomes Yoda <laughs> Solo. <laughs> he takes Han's last name. Uh, so this is the last segment of the podcast where we recommend a movie that we actually like. Now we enjoyed Saving Christmas for its bad qualities, but what are some movies we enjoyed for their good qualities? Um, I guess I'll go. Uh, I've watched a lot of movies recently. How many planes did you fly on? Uh, How many movies was it? <laughs> no, I was just hanging so out. So many movies. I was just hanging out around the house. I had a lot of free time. So, <laughs> whoa, sorry, dude. Yeah, am I reading my struggle? Well, how detailed <laughs> <Yeah>. is this? <laughs> I watched uh, Everybody Wants Some, which Stuart already recommended, mm-hmm. and, but I loved it. Uh, I would take. Ten of those over another boyhood. You know who wants some? Dan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And me. I watched Don't Think Twice, which was okay. You know. So think twice about watching that one. It was fine. It, you know, it, it had, it was, I, you know, like it's about New York improv culture. Oh, that's that movie. Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, well, a lot of this movie speaks to me directly. But then again, there's like a lot of it that's just like really like wackily like wrong. Like I'm just like. Why does this whole improv troupe live together in a house? That seems strange. Because well, they want to stop being polite and start getting improvisational. Maybe that's how they're going to win their inheritance. Is it a haunted house? <laughs> yes. You have to do an improv show in a haunted house. Sounds like a Tales from the Crypt episode. I saw L. <laughs> I guess so. The Paul Verhoeven movie. Ooh. Which was really well acted and directed. I'm still not quite sure 
what the movie was saying, which is why I'm, I'm saying not, run out and read Elle magazine. I'm not quite recommending it, even though I think it's really worth watching. So are we watching the nominees that didn't win the award of recommendation from Dan? <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna go back on a movie that I've seen before, but I watched again recently. I, went, I saw <laughs> at the Metrograph here in New York. <laughs> what I, was the weather like that day? I saw... <laughs> How many? How much money was in your pocket when you were sitting there? I rewatched the Squid and the Whale. Pastrami sw- sandwich. You just said sandwich. <laughs> fuck this stupid podcast. Pastrami uh, sandwich. It's like a sandwich with a swan in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw the Squid and the Whale with Noah Baumbach in attendance, uh, doing a Q and A afterwards. So you recommend going to see Squid and the Whale if Noah Baumbach is there? Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I recommend Squid and the Whale. Uh, I know that, Elliot, you have mixed feelings about it. Yeah, it, it doesn't. I mean, for me, it was not a wholly fulfilling experience. I'll, maybe if I watch it again, maybe I'll feel differently. I felt I like mean, it, I did, felt like I didn't get a hole from it. You could have yeah. used more it's, yucks, more jokes. Well, I think it's a short story of a movie rather than like a novel of a movie. And I think that's okay sometimes. It can be. I also take, I mean, I shouldn't harp on this, but like it is very hard for me to buy into nobody knowing that he didn't write that song. Oh, yeah. That, like, nobody recognizes that song seems crazy to me. I mean, they do figure it out later in the movie, but, yeah, it is. That it went, the minute he was playing it, someone didn't stand up and go, that's not your song. <laughs> that's from the wall. Like, I imagine him him just sitting there going, like, I, I wrote this song. Okay, everybody. Shake it a baby now. Shake it a baby. And everyone be like, well, he's a genius. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, here's another song that I wrote. Okay. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Oh, this guy's great. So many different genres. Uh, it's like a jungle sometimes. I really wonder how I keep from going under. Okay, great. Like, how many songs is he going to steal? But, but it, it's not a bad movie. It, yeah. was, it didn't It didn't work for me personally, but I'm not everybody. If you I'm ha- every woman, but otherwise, you know. <laughs> if you haven't seen it quickly, it's about a family that's divorcing. Uh, Jeff Daniels and Laura <laughs> Linney are the parents. And Jesse Eisenberg is the older sibling. And I believe it's, it's, a, it's a very Kevin sp- Klein's kid is the younger sibling. It's a very specific type of... Like, like seventies, eighties, Brooklyn, eighties, nineteen. It's like nineteen eighty three. Yeah, and they're in Park Slope, and uh, uh, Jeff Bridges is a kind of a monster, like an intellectual monster. Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Sorry, <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Jeff Bridges is a monster. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he did to He's me. He's got a crazy heart. <laughs> well, uh, man, I don't know why you're talking about me. <laughs> And uh, is that phantasm starring Jeff Bridges? Oh, wow, he's rattling his chains. (laughs) Old man Bridges is back. You summoned me. (laughs) Just spoke my name (laughs) four times. Jesse Eisenberg. It's a bridge you best not cross. (laughs) Jesse Eisenberg uh, sympathizes uh, more with his father, Jeff Daniels, even though Jeff Daniels is kind of self evidently the worst. but you know, it's it's a it's a young man, you know, who doesn't know enough about the world quite yet, and idolizes his father, and is kind of learning, like, oh, everyone's imperfect, and maybe like I need to give my mom a break, and maybe like I love my dad, but he's not who I think he is, and it's that process of <laughs> figuring that out that it's the a movie's movie about, about maturing. Yeah, and it's look. It's inspired by one of my favorite dioramas at the Museum of Natural History, so it's got that going for it. Yeah, so Squid and the Whale, that's, that's my recommendation. 
Huh. So, Ellie, do you got 20 minutes worth of recommendations? <laughs> I just but, Okay, so my recommendation begins that, on a cold February night in 1973. Oh, every movie oh, that I brought up was... Elliot's a, grandparents. <laughs> every movie I brought up was of value. Every movie I brought up was... Uh, if was I to tell you, to tell you about the movie that I'm going to recommend, <laughs> we're really going to have to go back to Ancient Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> Where it seems, I'm going to recommend a movie that's probably still in the theaters as we talk now. Mm-hmm. It is a sci-fi flick by the name of Arrival, mm-hmm. and it's the story of Amy Adams as no a, spoilers. No spoilers. It's the story of Amy Adams as, <laughs> as oh no, a spoiler alert. Amy Adams is in it. Okay, uh, as a linguist who is enlisted when mysterious aliens appear over different points in the Earth and. The first step to figuring out what is going on is communicating with them. And everyone's having trouble figuring out how to communicate with these aliens, and she is enlisted to unlock this puzzle. And by doing so, uh, discovers more than she intended. And uh, I've been looking forward to this movie for a long time. I was a big fan of the story that it's based off of. And they kind of movied it up a little bit, but in a way that mostly worked for me. And... I've heard a lot of people complaining to me that the ending is a little too on the nose, but that didn't wasn't really a problem for me. Like the ending is very sentimental in a way that I found very moving, and I could see how it might be too on the nose or over the top for some people. But uh, it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. Who, oh, who's, Flophouse favorite. The previous film, his last one was Prisoners. Right? Oh, no, his, his no, last, his last one, was, one was was Sicario, yeah. which I liked. Prisoners, I didn't like. Sicario, I liked. This movie, I like even more than those two. And I found that his style, which is very dark and very ominous, combined with a story that is hopeful more than it is bleak, mm-hmm. was a really good combination for me. It brought gravity to the story, but without dragging it down too much. So Arrival, I really liked Kind of like the opposite of Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, kind of. Uh, yeah, kind Where of. Where he tried to drape everything in like, <coughs> seriousness, but also try and tell a story of a magical spaceman. <laughs> a magical spaceman who wears his pajamas when he punches bank robbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and murders Michael Shannon's. Um, hey, dudes, I'm going to recommend a nice, short, little, nasty piece of work. <laughs> like Saving Christmas. It's uh, called Saving Christmas. <clears throat> I'm going to recommend a recently released thriller, a thrill ride called Don't Breathe. Uh, this was produced by Sam Raimi's company that has been handling a couple of small, uh, tight little movies like the Evil Dead remake. Uh, and <laughs> what do you like? I don't know. What do you say, tight little movies? Tight movie? little movies. <laughs> I don't like that. Okay, I, I'll stop. Um, okay, so this is a uh, a little thriller about uh, three kind of down on their luck young young kids mm-hmm. who are the mod squad. Uh, are you have to do a dance recital to save the community center. Uh-huh. And <laughs> a so they're going recital. <laughs> Whatever. It's pretty official. <laughs> so they uh, they these the three kids are trying to get out of Detroit and make a little money. So they are robbing houses. And they have access to these houses because one of the kids' uh, fathers works for a security company. And they get a hot tip on a a blind veteran's home who is sitting on a bunch of money after his daughter was killed in a car accident. 
And so they uh, they break into this guy's home and get more than they bargained for. Uh-oh. <clears throat> um, so it's a very tense little movie. It uses a little bit of, uh, like, cinematic flourishes. But for the most part, I think it any, like, cinematic techniques and shots and camera movements... All that stuff, I think it works to better the plot as a and and better and like raise the tension as opposed to like, you know, some shit where like a camera flies through a keyhole or something, which <laughs> yeah. just kind of takes you out of the thing. Um, it almost reminds me more of some of the tricks that uh, David Fincher used in Panic Room, which yeah. I think doesn't still... a camera fly through a mug handle in Panic Room? It does, <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason it works in Panic Room. I mean, David Fincher knows what he's doing, yeah, so. um, except when he made Benjamin Button. And uh, the 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 blind veteran is played by Stephen Lang, who has famously uh, pitched himself to play Cable in a future movie. <laughs> uh, Cable, the Marvel superhero, uh, Marvel not character. Cable, the thing that you plug into other things. <laughs> yeah, that would be great at that though. Um, but he gives this amazing performance, um, and I will say that there is a twist uh near the end of the movie that is a little crazy uh and is some would find very off-putting well, so yeah, yeah you you should i think warn people that there is what is essentially an attempted rape scene in the movie if that yeah, is something that's that fair. is going to uh upset you to the point that you could not watch the movie yes that's fair dan that is a good thing to warn people about uh yeah it's pretty rough um okay so don't breathe on a <laughs> so down not note. one for the family <laughs> no put it pop it in this christmas <laughs> pop some popcorn get, some red get <laughs> granny get pop pop on the couch get All little timmy and little little jesse and little betsy and just pop in don't breathe <laughs> <laughs> Heartwarming holiday Why, why is everything popping? <laughs> just popping off. Pop the whole thing's in, popping pop off. Popping it off. Just, just pop some pop, bottles. Pop around. Paparazzi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drink some pop. <laughs> uh, just play, use the popomatic to pop the dice. No oh, man, we have done everything now. That was everything we could do. We in have done show. everything in the world. Every, there's and, no thing we didn't do. You know, do. this has been a pretty short episode for us, but it's also <laughs> longer than the fucking movie again. Again, I would continue our streak of talking longer than the movie. Yeah. Well, you have any final thoughts, Dan? Hey, before guys. Before you exit this mortal plane. Be good, Wait, be good to each other this holiday season, right? You know? Hey, let's not... Be excellent to each other and party on, dude. (laughs) (laughs) All right, never mind. I won't get heartfelt because Dan didn't. I fell for the old Dan inability to express his emotions honestly. You could be heartfelt. I give you permission. Look... I've said a lot about yeah. it. Oh, you uh, got me say something face. heartfelt. Daniel slides some sunglasses on his face and <laughs> chews some gum. Um, I don't celebrate Christmas. I celebrate my own stuff. But a lot of people do celebrate Christmas. The point is, any excuse you can find to do something good for somebody else, to be good to somebody else, and to think about what you're lucky to have or what you're grateful to have uh, is a good thing to do. So if that means it's because it's the holidays, if that means it's because it's cold outside and you want to snuggle up that much closer, it doesn't matter. Let's take this time to try to give ourselves a reason to be better people and to be the best we can be to the people around us and the rest of the world. And then let's take that feeling and let's continue it beyond the holiday season into the year 2017 because we're going to have enough problems in the year 2017 Let's all try to be our best selves and just keep running with it. 
And I think we're all going to be a lot happier that way, and we're going to make other people happy that way, too. And that's all I'll say. That's a pretty Amen. good setup for this, uh, for that letter-writing campaign, everybody starting to write letters to the Mondo Corporation <laughs> so that they'll mail me a complimentary <laughs> Phantasm Ball Christmas tree ornament. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about when I say that, is write to the Mondo company and demand a free Phantasm ornament. For Stuart. For Stuart. Mm-hmm. Not for you. This is for Stuart. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Think about others at this time of need. <laughs> All right. Uh, It's been great. Uh, We'll see you next time for the Flophouse. I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, you know what? I've been Stuart Wellington. (laughs) And on second thought, I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. And then we do the regular show, and then we make it up as we go along. We're just doing it, doing it. Hipping and hopping it. Bipping and bopping it. Bipping and bopping, booping and booping. Robin Scopin. This is Sammy's new thing, by the way, is making up rhymes. So all dinner, he was going, he's like, you have a chair or you have a Claire. Mm-hmm. You eat your cheese or you eat your peas. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, <laughs> and most of them is, most of them is like, your hair is a zare. Just like made up nonsense. <laughs> it's really funny that yep. he does it for a long time. He's like, Ugh. Mom spaghetti, <laughs> belts are getty. It's still getty. <laughs> Betty spaghetti, a league of their own. Oh. Um, uh, uh, all right, <laughs> league of their own, fully grown. <laughs> Seti, bitch and moan. Seti, yeti on the seti, eating spaghetti. Hands are sweaty. Uh, Fred and Betty. Oh, I guess it. Well, Fred shouldn't be with Betty. Well, we don't know. Oh, we don't know what's happening between away. the two of them. That there so was, they went to a key party and they put their little rock, <laughs> the rock keys. It yeah. was a rock party. You couldn't tell the difference between the rocks. There has to be some unproduced script someone at Hanna Barbera wrote for fun where Fred and Barney swap wives. It has to exist. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.